Welcome to today's episode of EQ Minds Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Pottinger, and I'm really excited for today's show. But before we dive in, if you haven't hit the subscribe button, make sure you do so you never miss a podcast episode. And also follow us on Instagram at EQ Minds. Given that this month is Are You OK Day and the theme is I'm Here to Hear, today I'm going to support you with recognizing the signs of mental illness what to say when someone else needs help, where to turn when you need help, and breaking the stigma on medication. From a work perspective, if you want tools to empower your people, we have a new workshop series called the Wellbeing Program at the Mindful Journey, and we work with the world's most incredible brands, including Google, eBay, Commonwealth Bank, Optus, Johnson & Johnson, the Australian Defence Force, and Estee Lauder, to name a few training professionals in every field to take charge of their mental well-being. These workshops equip your team with science-based tools and motivation they need to become mindful high performers. Trigger warning for today's podcast. This episode includes discussion of suicide. Listener discretion is advised, so if you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, please seek help from a mental health professional or contact a helpline in your country. I've included these in the show notes. It may be also best to step away from this podcast if this topic is personally triggering for you. Your well-being is truly important to me. Okay, let's get started in today's show. Now, at the end of 2020, to be honest, I had a mental health relapse. From the outside, my life looked really good. I just signed the deal for my first book, The Mindful High Performer. EQ Minds, our company, had trained 90,000 people in the corporate world in a span of 12 months that year, and we had just bought our first home. So my family was thriving. But here's the truth. We all have our special brand of breakdown, and looks can be very, very deceiving. For me, it was overcommitting. So I had to be hyperproductive, which kind of borderlined on me for manic In hindsight, I was burning out, but in the moment, I was so deeply invested in achieving these goals that I personally missed every single sign I knew to look out for myself. It wasn't until I woke up one day and before I could even put my feet on the floor, I was just bawling my eyes out and had horrific insomnia. Jay, who's arguably the most supportive, genuine and caring man on this planet, saw my distress. And he said to me these very wise words, hey, darling, it's going to be okay. We've been through this before and we know what to do. And he just held me and he hugged me. And to be honest, the relief I felt was almost immediate. Sometimes you just need someone to see you where you are and to help you, right, to find your way out. Was I suicidal again? No, but I knew that if I didn't address my mental health immediately, It could have very well led me to a place where my mind was just completely irrational. I recognize how lucky I am to have had Jay in my home, recognizing the signs of my relapse. Currently, there are 264 million people worldwide with an anxiety disorder, and many of them live alone, which is heartbreaking to me. The World Health Organization says that by 2030, depression will be our biggest cause of ill health which is why I want to take the time today to talk about the signs to look for when you or someone you know 
is having a mental health crisis, as well as the tools you have to help, right, repair your mind and your body and your soul. So let's first talk about recognizing the signs of mental illness. People tend to think that mental health crises happen when you're in a crisis. But as you've seen or listened with me, the opposite can be true. Just because everything may appear to be in order on the outside doesn't mean you're coping on the inside. Have you ever made plans like with your friends when you're like super pumped and truly excited to catch up? But when the actual day rolls around, you are completely dreading the idea of it and silently hoping that there's like some kind of road closure or some sort of non-life-threatening emergency. That is totally normal. But when it becomes a pattern, it's a problem. While developing social anxiety is one sign to look out for, there's actually quite a bit more to be aware of. When it comes to identifying someone who may be silently suffering, yourself included, there are three key areas to observe, words, actions, and situations. With the words, what are you saying and how are you saying it? Are you moody or confused? Are you unable to switch off? Are you saying that you're a burden to people? Are you expressing that you're lonely? Are you lacking self-esteem? How about actions? What are you doing and why are you behaving like that? Are you withdrawing from social situations? Are you starting confrontations with people? Are you isolating yourself from friends and from family? Do you seem less interested in your appearance than usual? Are there changes in your sleep patterns? Are you becoming increasingly sedentary? Are you the opposite and becoming manic about your exercise? Situations. What's going on that could contribute to the change? Are you having relationship issues at the moment? Are you experiencing major health issues? Are you under constant stress at work? Have you lost someone or something in your life? Are you having financial problems? To be honest, we are all vulnerable to mental illness. While it is often easy to show compassion to others when you pick up on these signs and symptoms of a mental health breakdown, it's important to be mindful of your own words, actions and situations and to treat yourself the same way you'd treat a family member, a friend or a colleague. After overcoming postnatal depression in 2015 and immersing myself in this mental health space, I truly believed that I was immune. In my mind, I thought, great, I'm back to being high-achieving, happy, driven and mindful. This is all true until it wasn't. To be completely honest, I wasn't as gentle with myself as I should have been once Jay helped me realise I needed help again in 2020. I was super frustrated that I let myself get to the point of a relapse. Shouldn't I know better? And that's when my many years of studying psychological well-being from the greats around the world came into play. I knew it wasn't going to be helpful for me to play the victim. I also knew that the main thing I needed to tap into was my own resilience. Once I flexed that muscle, I would be able to reach for the tools in my toolbox to help get me back on track. So what do we say when someone else needs help? In 1995, Barry Larkin took his own life and left a huge circle of family and friends overwhelmed by grief and wondering what they could have done. Determined to help prevent others from experiencing this level of tragedy, his son, Gavin Larkin, launched the much-needed and hugely successful mental health campaign, Are You OK? in 2009. If you're wondering how to approach someone or yourself 
regarding their mental health, it can be as simple as asking, are you okay? Of course, there'll be those who are avoiding facing their feelings, don't want to be a burden, or aren't even aware that they're not okay. The best thing that we can do is try to empathize with them, give them permission right, to be vulnerable and show them that they have support options, things you can say when you're feeling like someone may need help. You've been carrying a lot on your plate lately. Is there anything I could do to help lighten your load? Hey, are you okay? I know if I was in your shoes, I'd be feeling pretty overwhelmed at the moment. How are you sleeping lately? Do you find your mind is difficult to shut down at night? When was the last time you took a day or two to truly rest? I love how driven you are, but don't forget that you also need to recharge too. Have you had a chance to speak to anyone about what happened at work? I know it can be really scary to admit when things aren't okay. Sometimes it helps if you share something about yourself first. For example, if you volunteer that things aren't all rainbows, right, and sunshine in your own mind, it can empower someone else to share what they're going through as well. So where do we turn to if we need help? If you know you're slipping somewhere that feels too deep to climb out of on your own, remember that there are some mental health power tools at your disposal. Medical professionals. First of all, make an appointment with your doctor to let them know how you're feeling. Or they can, be, they can do a comprehensive checkup to ensure that there isn't anything going on physically that would impact your mental health. They can also refer you to see a psychiatrist or a therapist. In many countries, the government offers a mental health care plan. Therapy of any kind can be quite expensive, to be honest. So make sure to ask if there are any subsidies that you can qualify for. The reason I say get a referral to see a therapist or psychiatrist is because they are specialized in the field of mental health and they will be able to get a full picture of your current lifestyle choices, diagnose any mental health conditions and prescribe medication if needed. Therapy 101. While you're probably envisioning maybe lying back, right, on a leather daybed while Sean Connery type gnaws on a pipe and maybe asks about your daddy issues, (laughs) therapy actually comes in many shapes and forms. It can be done in person on a video call and done solo or with a partner, family member or in a group setting. One common type of therapy people refer to is cognitive behaviour therapy. This is when a therapist helps you identify and actively change your thought patterns, habits and behaviours. They offer a non-biased point of view and can also give you breathing and visualisation techniques to help cope with anxiety or depression. If you're not in the right mindset, Making major decisions about your career, relationship and finances can be really dangerous. A therapist can help make sure you're making choices with a clear mind. One thing I want to flag is that you may not click with the first therapist you work with. You might also outgrow, right, your therapist. One size does not fit all here and sometimes you simply need a fresh perspective. When it comes to choosing a therapist, there's no need to settle And you definitely don't need to be monogamous in this space. (laughs) For those who've experienced major trauma or have debilitating anxiety and depression, it's worthy exploring other types of therapy as well, such as psychiatry. So psychiatrists are trained to diagnose mental illnesses such as severe depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, bipolar disorder, and they can prescribe medications to treat them. Eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing, also known as EMDR, When something traumatic happens, 
it can be really difficult for this type of information to be properly filed in the brain. So instead, it sits unfiled, right, and nudges you to revisit it and experience the trauma way more than you'd like to. EMDR is essentially a manual version of your REM sleep stage by having your eyes move right and left while being guided through a memory your brain is able to reprocess what happened and then hopefully store the memory away where it can be used in a healthy way. Hypnosis. No, they're not going to wave a pocket watch in front of your face and say, you're getting very, very sleepy. So some therapists and hypnotists use hypnosis to get you into a state of consciousness that makes you more likely to modify your behavior. This is because they're communicating without your usual cognitive roadblocks or biases in the way. Music therapy, just like it sounds, music therapy uses music to improve breathing, lower blood pressure, decrease muscle tension, reduce mental stress, and manage behavioral problems. And there's art therapy. Painting can be a great mindfulness activity to unwind from the day, and art therapy is like painting, but on steroids. Through the use of art, you can not only lower your stress levels, you can increase your self-esteem, explore emotions, and resolve other psychological issues. Medication. I need to talk about this because there's still a huge stigma on medication for mental illness. Now, when I was at the height of my postnatal depression, suicidal, someone suggested that I do some deep breathing and I have a mindful shower. That was from a therapist who was exceptionally young in this space. No offense to to them. I know that they're trying to do the best job that they could, but I was like a day away from being admitted to a psychiatric hospital and I was so far gone from a mindful shower being the solution that it's not even funny. My brain literally didn't have the capacity to make the changes I needed in order to heal. I needed major help. I needed medication. Well, I do believe that antidepressants are prescribed too frequently across the globe. If you're suicidal or have exhausted all of these tools in your toolbox, they are 100% necessary. After my most recent relapse in 2020, a woman I was having coffee with expressed her disapproval that I'd made the decision to go back on an SSRI, which is an antidepressant. She said to me, "Uh, have you heard of St. John's Wort? And there's no denying... (laughs) that there's a stigma surrounding antidepressants but for me for someone who very much feels like they've saved my life I need to share with you what I do know first of all people like to ask me if antidepressants are a one pill wonder in my personal opinion they're just another tool in the toolbox if you're eating well right you're getting enough vitamin d you're moving your body you're not abusing drugs and alcohol you've dialed back your workload where possible and are still struggling to sleep or feel extremely stressed depressed or even manic medication may be necessary to get your brain's chemical levels where they need to be alternatively they can help you if you're simply unable to manage your anxiety and depression to a point where you can take the behavioral advice from the psychologist and apply it to your life. Some people go on them for six months, others a couple of years at a time, while others are on them for life. I've personally gone on and off antidepressants three times since my postnatal depression diagnosis. And for me, I am currently staying on them for the foreseeable future and probably for the rest of my life, to be honest. Along with not being a one pill fix it all, antidepressants are also not one size fits all. 
They come in many different formulations and are commonly referred to as old school and new school. The new school ones, SSRIs, which are more popular, work by increasing serotonin in your brain. While it can feel a little bit bumpy, to be fair, like weaning onto an antidepressant, the right one shouldn't numb you out. When I had my first mental health relapse a few years after having Clara, I knew I needed to take a month off work to double down on self-care, which included going back on medication. I also need to be extremely gentle on myself because my brain was trying to heal. Think about it. Okay, when you have an ankle injury, you wouldn't go running, right? You'd ice it, rest it and slowly rehab it. Whenever I needed to hit reset or begin taking any depressant, I knew that I couldn't really handle much more, right, than playing Lego, colouring in and playing Play-Doh, right, with Clara, our daughter. I had to cancel all my social plans and just do the things that nourished me. I also had to have a major mindset shift because some of the side effects can be pretty intense. For example, I found myself more anxious at night, dizzy during the day, and instead of fearing the symptoms, I tried to reframe my thoughts. So the original thought would be this tingling feeling makes me feel sick, and then I'd reframe that thought to every time I'm feeling tingly, I know the medication is releasing serotonin into my cells and the drugs are working. Now, when going on medication, right, it can feel like you're in the trench, but it's worth trusting the process. You can also trust that the side effects are usually gone about four to six weeks. Even though you might not have the strength to do much in the moment, you can always make plans for the future as something to look forward to. As I mentioned previously, I've gone on and off medication. Unlike beginning a new treatment, going off can be done with very few side effects if done really slowly and under the guidance of your healthcare professional. For example, it took me 18 months to wean off the lowest dose of my antidepressant completely last time. At the end of the day, what works for me is not going to always work for you. Okay, we are all beautifully unique and different. This is why I recommend speaking to a psychiatrist about your options. As we finish up this podcast, I want you to take a moment right now to check in with yourself. How are you doing? And once you feel like you're okay, I'm going to really encourage you to check in on someone else you love today. How are they doing? Are they doing okay? Remember, you are never alone. And the quicker you can get onto the signs and symptoms, the quicker you can start the recovery. I really hope this podcast helps you today. And always remember, you have me and the entire team here at EQ Minds to support your journey. If you are listening to this right now and feeling hopeless, distraught, scared, call someone right now. Okay, you are loved and you truly matter. Below is a list of helplines that can offer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So here in Australia and New Zealand, our support line is called Lifeline. The number is 131114. For our North American friends, The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 1-800-273-8255. Have a beautiful day, my dear community. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast and the information contained therein is made available for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide medical advice. 
This information should not be used as a substitute for competent medical advice from a licensed specialist, doctor or psychologist. Thank you.